Welcome to Honey and Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Take it away, Mom. Thanks, Zara, and welcome back. We usually start our episodes with the introduction for Read the Reviews, and we are going to do that today. But first, we would just like to take a quick second to say thank you. Thank you for the comments, the direct messages, the emails, the ratings, and the reviews. We really appreciate the feedback that you give us on the show. Whether you disagree or agree, it is all welcome, and please keep engaging. We also wanted to take a moment to encourage you to leave a review. It is actually important for our podcast. Just however the iTunes algorithms work when reviews are left, it just helps our show to be better seen and we can reach more of an audience and reach more listeners. So please, we encourage you to leave a review. Zara? Now let's go to read the reviews. Okay, so such a wonderful listening experience and wealth of resources. Thank you, Robin, for this podcast. I'm very much enjoying the vast resources and wonderfully informative interviews. It's been amazing to hear other families' journeys and how they moved into a different way of learning and loving learning. I am new to homeschooling slash unschooling, and I'm inspired by the voices you've given space for here. Well, thank you. That's very Nice. Now let's move on to the actual intro. Who did you interview in this episode? This is pretty exciting because I know many that are big fans and that follow and love her new book. I interviewed Ainsley Arment from Wild and Free. Ainsley Arment is the founder of Wild and Free. She's a co-founder of Wild Explorers Club and the Wild and Free Farm Village and host of the Wild and Free podcast. And she has a new book. I know quite a few who have the book and are really enjoying it. A friend of mine told me it reads to her like poetry. So Ainsley, fantastic job. Her new book is called The Call of the Wild and Free, Reclaiming Wonder in Your Child's Education and was published this September, just last month. Ainsley and her husband, Ben, are raising their five children, Wyatt, Dylan, Cody, Annie, and Millie in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Sounds very interesting. And did you enjoy this episode? Mm-hmm. Ainsley is very interesting, and I love this episode. She's another kindred spirit, and she is someone who fell into homeschooling, fell in love with it, wasn't planning on it. She tells more of her story in this episode, but uh, we have many, many uh, agreements and similarities on learning and creating a wild and free childhood for our children and helping to inspire and guide others as well. And if you already follow her, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, definitely check out the Wild and Free community. They offer so much for homeschoolers, unschoolers, and those on unique learning journeys. Do you want to say anything more about her? Uh, No, otherwise you can find her on Instagram, Instagram at wildandfree.co, bewildandfree.org is her website. And I know you'll be able to find her from there and connect. So thank you very, very much, Ainsley. Thank you, Mom. 
And remember, we really, really want you guys to leave a review. Enjoy the episode. So today I have Ainsley Armet joining me. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ainsley. Thank you, Robin. I'm so thrilled to be chatting with you today. Oh, I'm really excited. Ainsley is a longtime homeschooling mom to five kids. She is also the founder of Wild and Free. I think many of you know the Wild and Free community that really is reaching so many around the globe. And she's also the author of the new book, The Call of the Wild and Free, which offers advice, insight, and encouragement for parents that are considering homeschooling, those that are currently in the trenches looking for inspiration, as well as parents, educators, and caregivers who want supplementary resources to enhance their children's traditional educations. Her book is available now. It was released September 3rd, and I hope to talk more about it. Thank you so much, Ainsley. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate it so much. So I thought maybe we could first, listeners can get to know you a little bit. Each family that joins me on the show has a unique learning journey, and this is usually based on a framework of beliefs and values around learning and self-expression. And I know your family homeschools. Uh, What brought you to this decision? Do you have a framework of beliefs and values around learning and self-expression that really guided you in this decision? You know, yes, I do. And no, I didn't at first. So as I was a new mom, I had two little boys at the time of beginning my journey and a little baby boy that was there um, just along for the ride. But as I began my motherhood journey, homeschooling wasn't anything that I had ever thought of before. It wasn't something I grew up exposed to. I went to school and just kind of assumed that that's what kids did. And if anything, I thought, no, my kids will go to school and they'll do well and I'll do everything I can to help them excel in whatever they want to do. And so we began the journey, put my son into preschool and a couple days a week. And then he moved on to pre-K and kindergarten and then began first grade, full day school in the public school system. And it was kind of around that time that my son began full days away from me, that I just felt that, um, that gap in our relationship. I just missed him. You know, he was away from me more than he was with me in waking hours. And I began missing my boy and missing our times and adventures together as a family. And it was just kind of a whisper, you know, just something kind of pulling and tugging at my heart. But as time went on, it just grew. And I began seeing changes in him as well, even though he was doing well in school, making friends and, you know, earning citizen of the month in his class and things like that, that make a parent super proud when they are looking for those affirmations that everything's going okay. But I just saw the light go out in his eyes, that desire, that innate curiosity to learn and just to know things just started to dim and he began being more concerned with just kind of how to survive, you know, the schedule, the early waking hours of hopping on the bus and doing homework and missing out on playtime. And I just thought he's six years old and his childhood is being stripped away from him. And so the desire to homeschool came from observing my son and just really wanting to give him back his childhood. If that were possible, I didn't even know. It was just what I wanted to do. So I began looking into homeschooling, researching, trying to figure out if that was something even I could legally do. I didn't know much about it and started talking with my husband and eventually came to the decision that we would do this, that we would give it a try for at least a year and see how it went. So that's kind of how we began our journey 
nine years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. First time, I guess I just assumed that you had also homeschooled as well. And then mm-hmm. it was kind of a natural progression. I didn't know that you had gone to school yourself. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's interesting. Yes, I did. So came from a family where education was highly regarded. So I grew up in a combination of a little bit of public school, but also college preparatory schools, and then went on to university. So education was just something that was valued in our home. And I didn't know anything about homeschooling and that that could even be something that was also upheld within the home if you didn't send them off to school. So it was a big learning process for me. How was that first year? Was it, you know, after, say, six months or after the Mm -hmm. first year, you were like, okay, yes, this was the right decision. He's starting to get his love of learning and desire to learn back. You know, he's starting to get his childhood back. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, how did that go for you? Yeah, yeah. So kind of exactly what you just said, but we just dove in and I thought, you know, my idea was that if I was going to bring my child home and because we had had experience in the classroom and I could see what was sort of dimming that excitement to learn, I wanted to do the opposite. I didn't know anything about traditional homeschooling or what other homeschooling families did. I kind of only knew what my instincts were. So I thought if I'm going to bring my home out of the school system, it's not going to look anything like the school. You know, we're not going to set up a classroom or anything like that. Of course, I had my cute little accessories that I love, like my vintage chalkboard and a few things like that. But that was more for me, if we're really honest. Um, <laughs> what, um, and that's great. I think we moms need those things that give us pleasure and delight in our journeys as well. But what our kids need really is just us. And they need us to not just turn our home into a classroom, but to make the world our classroom and to make it a lifestyle. Something I really learned that first year is that homeschooling isn't just an educational choice. It's a family lifestyle choice. Absolutely. And it just bleeds into every aspect of your life. And that's the hard part, but also the beautiful part. So that first year was really about reawakening his love of learning, spending time with him, learning together. And I did see the light come back into his eyes. And I wasn't really sure what that even meant at the time, as far as what I was looking for. But as the months went on, and as we spent more time together, and we would go to the woods for a hike, we would take our nature journals down to the aquarium and walk along the boardwalk and see the ocean and read books on the sand and just do life together and learn while we were doing it. I saw his love for learning start to ignite again. And I saw him, you know, I saw his childhood coming back. And I think a lot of times when I talk about childhood with other moms, they maybe get the impression that I just didn't want my son to grow up. And that is the opposite of what I mean. It's less about the childishness and more about the childlikeness that I wanted him to be able to bring to life and his learning. And a lot of that has to do with that natural inborn wonder that we all have. And just seeing wonder really form his education and just letting him grow up at his own pace. So I did see that occur. And I think that even as my second son was coming along, he was around five. So he was learning alongside of him. And I hadn't planned on doing anything super formal with him. And yet I saw him learning as Wyatt was learning. And it was just really beautiful. So that year, we decided that we would try it again the next year. And I think there was probably a few years there that we didn't want to say, okay, this is it. This is the only way there is. We're just going to homeschool. I think we just decided 
we'll just take it one year at a time. (laughs) And that's kind of our philosophy, like a lot of parents, I think, but just taking it one year at a time, I think gave us the confidence that we could do it rather than saying, okay, we can do this for the next 12 years. We were saying we can do this for the next year. Right. Right. So then did you have a lot of support when you brought this to your husband and said, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this? Or did you decide together that this would be a course you wanted to try, a life course you wanted to try? And along with him, how about your family? Because you said, you know, education, traditional education was held in quite high esteem, was really important Mm -hmm. to them. Were you supported in this? I was definitely supported by my husband when I started talking about it with him. And I really wanted it to be something that we decided to do together. And even though my husband was working a full-time job and away from the home a lot traveling, he wasn't going to be the primary homeschooler, but I wanted it to be a family decision and something that he was totally on board with and that I had his support. So it did take uh, several conversations and I just kind of started planting the seeds, you know, about what I was observing and Wyatt and then as I would research and some of my findings, I just started sharing it with him and planting the seed. And I didn't put the expectation on him that he needed to make a decision right away or that he needed to support that and be on board with my thinking right off the bat. So I just gave it time to soak in kind of like a hit and run approach, <laughs> just kind of throw the information out there. And then I'll just leave that with it. you. And then, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get away while he thinks about it and process it. Um, and eventually, you know, he had some similar concerns as well. You know, he wasn't homeschooled. His father was a school administrator. His mother was a school teacher growing up. And, you know, we we came at it at first from similar backgrounds and just, you know, not sure. Like, and one of his concerns was, I don't want my kid to be weird or, you know, just kind of very... <laughs> basic responses for somebody who wasn't familiar with homeschooling. So I think that in talking with other people who have those concerns or objections, I can kind of fall back on those original things that I had to discuss with my husband and family members. But Ben, I'm not sure what it took with my husband, Ben, to get him on board. There was a few things I think that built, but at some point he came on board and he thought, you know what, what's the harm? Let's give it a try. If all else fails, we'll put him back in school the next year and pretend like the whole thing never happened. (laughs) So it seemed like a good place to start. How wrong could it go? We could keep reading books with him and doing some math and we'll just see how it goes. So definitely had his support going into it. And then family, as much as they could understand what we were doing, supported us. You know, there wasn't a lot of verbal affirmation or encouragement in that area, but I don't think it was something they knew how to give or were really familiar enough to know. I think they probably all had some secret concerns, but we didn't get any (laughs) major objections. Okay. I find sometimes when families, it actually goes both ways. When families have a high regard for education, when it's very, very important for traditional education, sometimes homeschooling can be kind of a, you know, not a kick in the face, but it Mm -hmm. can be kind of a, you know, what do you mean you're going to homeschool? Or it goes the other way where there's a lot of fundamental understanding, understanding how human beings learn and the joy Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. with that uh, regard of education. Sometimes that does come into play where you think, wow, yeah, I love to learn. So why not create a great environment to continue to learn for the kids? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful that you had the support. Definitely. Yes. And I definitely had to answer the questions of what about this and how do you cover this and how do you keep up with state requirements? So I definitely had to answer all of those questions to family members that the easiest thing to do is just to keep yourself educated, to give yourself that confidence 
personally. And when you don't feel comfortable answering the questions, you don't have to, you know, it's, this is just the decision that we've made as a family and it's working for us right now. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. We all have our own shoes to walk in. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. So then the wild and free community. I mean, it's just, (laughs) I think of it, what (laughs) what you've created is a pretty amazing community and network here. So how did this begin? Was it part of the homeschooling process where, you know, you were bringing back childhood, you were bringing back the wonder and joy of it all. And you met other mothers who wanted to do the same, or were you searching to build community specifically to share in the same values and goals of that wonderment? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think at the time of starting out homeschooling, I didn't know that I was doing anything different than other homeschoolers or that whether today or traditionally in past decades, um, I was sort of just following my heart and trying to learn as much as I could with my children and get to know them and how they learn. And I just was doing what came naturally to me to ignite excitement in them. And so as I began, really the wild and free community began on Instagram. So as I started posting photos and comments about our homeschooling days, because it was encompassing most of my life, other people just started asking questions. And I just started to get to know strangers from all over the world, just with the commonality of homeschooling. And, you know, there were several people that were really curious and had questions like, well, you know, if you're out in the woods right now, when do you do school? Or how do you, you know, incorporate all of the subjects in together and still spend time in nature and still have play with your kids and things like that. So it was around that time that just other moms just started coming out of the woodwork. And there was just a common ideal of what we wanted for our kids. And it sort of, I often say I did not create wild and free as much as just kind of helped discover it. (laughs) Yes. Because there was already so many mothers out there that were doing exactly the same thing and they wanted the same thing. And maybe they didn't have words for it yet, but they wanted that for their children. And it's what the reason they were homeschooling. So even though we don't all homeschool the same way and families differ, their values greatly differ from mine or others in some ways, The wild and free community really provides a common language for the values that we do all hold together. And they really knit us together that this lifestyle can be more than just schooling at home, that it can be about the wonder of learning and all the values that are naturally at work in our kids, you know, and that we really can just assist those things, but we don't have to apply learning to them. Right. And so then it started to grow, like really it, it organically grew as well. And then now, I mean, yeah, I, you yeah. have the magazine, like the, the mm-hmm. subscription as well. There is a new book coming out. You also have the community as well, the land that you've purchased. Mm, yes. Uh, and I, yeah. you know, it really has, I think I really, the what I see is it's not just within the home, but you're creating a wider community that's farther reaching in order to really be wild and free. How did those steps come about? We are a community that has grown very quickly in the past five years. And sometimes it baffles me how quickly it grew. But I think just as mothers started finding it and sharing it, we started hosting gatherings. And really, it was just designed to be a time where we could come together and celebrate the lifestyle and learn from other moms on this journey, not necessarily from professional speakers or 
educators, but from other moms who were actually in the trenches doing the hard work every day. And so we came together to learn and that's how our conferences were born. We came to encourage each other and to gather based on what we had in common and not focus on all the differences. I think as I began homeschooling, I began seeing different groups that like to circle their wagons around their philosophies and really wild and free breaks those walls down and just really wants everyone to live in the freedom of homeschooling because the joy of it is the freedom we have to do what's best for our own personal families and to find the methodology or the philosophy or whatever the learning style that each of our own children need. So as the conferences began getting off the ground, we started creating monthly resources that we call the Wild and Free Bundles. And it's just a bundle of articles and tutorials for different things like handcrafts and courses that we can share podcasts and interviews with moms. And so we call it a bundle because it's kind of a, a bundle of different things. Bundle but, of goodies, yeah, um, learning. Yes, a bundle <laughs> of goodies. And it includes a print magazine that goes out every month to every family. And now we have the Wild and Free Farm Village as well that we just purchased land. And the intent was really to give families a place to come, a place to refresh and to be with other like-minded people for retreats, um, for dinners, for exposing kids and families that are new to this, to for schooling and being out in nature and things like that. And we're just really excited to have a place to call our own now that we can do more frequent gatherings within our tribe and to offer it to the greater community. The book, The Call of the Wild and Free, just, just came out and it really encompasses everything that the past five years I've been just trying to share in little blurbs here and there from the mission, the why we're doing this, the myths, because that's what I had to go through. I had to face all of the, you know, and deal with, wrestle with those myths of homeschooling and then just trying to help others see how to do this. You know, how do you set up a family, a rhythm in your home? How do you discover what the homeschooling styles are? And then the values of wild and free, what makes the wild and free way a little bit different than traditional homeschooling? So that's sort of what the book covers. But all of these things have just come about because of the amazing community that have grown, you know, through the women that have come on board. We now have several team members, so many contributors to our bundles every month, but it's the women in this community. It's the families that are behind it that really make it what it is. So it's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is really exciting and it's beautiful. I love how even in the last, we've been homeschooling for almost eight years now. And I think of even how it was when I first started and Mm -hmm. the pace that it has changed and evolved and the opportunities and the communities that are now Mm -hmm. there that really weren't even eight, nine years ago as well. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier. And of course, you always having that support just really enhances the experience as well. So, I mean, it's exciting. I think it's an exciting time for learning and education in so many ways. It's great for us and our kids. Yes, it really is, Robin. And you're right. It is the communities that have grown wild and free aside. There's so many opportunities for homeschoolers if they want them. A lot of times it's almost overwhelming how many resources are available because now we have to sift through. What do we do? Which (laughs) curriculum do we buy? What is somebody help us? It is. There's so much. And, you know, there were several years, even when I was homeschooling in the early years where I think the biggest challenge wasn't the day to day, but it was really 
kind of that loneliness, you know, that can arise if you don't feel like you have your tribe or people that you're on this journey with. And so Wild and Free has been a huge blessing in that because we can come together, whether it's locally or at conferences or all around the world and stay connected with other families that are like-minded that share similar values and keep that spark going for each other, you know, to spur each other on. And that's exactly what I was actually just going to ask you, you know, with all of this goodness around, what have your, what your challenges have been along the way um, Mm -hmm. and how you've overcome those challenges. But yeah, definitely. I can see loneliness being a big one and therefore helping to create the community has really help to overcome that specific challenge. Exactly. I think community is so key. And I encourage moms all the time to find their tribe, whether that's a whole group or just another family. We don't need hundreds of people to give us that sense of community. Sometimes it can just be another kindred spirit that shares your same values that you can get together with once a week or call on the phone or send an encouraging text to or get one back when you need one. So I think loneliness is a huge challenge. I hear from moms a lot that they feel isolated in that the wild and free groups that are growing rapidly all around the world are really helping to meet that need in in some way because I never wanted wild and free to stay just a virtual community online. It was great. It was a great way to get started and a wonderful way to encourage other moms and families. But really having those real life relationships are crucial to helping us keep going, you know, and not fade out as we get discouraged over the years or we find, we think maybe we're the only ones like this. So I think that was a big challenge. And I think that another one for me was probably trying to just figure out how to juggle it all as we were adding children. You know, I started homeschooling when my oldest was six, but we kept we have five. So eventually we <laughs> added a few more. And each year it seemed to be that there was something else that just like came along and well, maybe we'll get there that one next year. But <laughs> I think that's probably a common struggle. And we hear that a lot from the younger moms that, um, that just how do you do that? How do you handle having all the ages and get to them all and, and still give them all, you know, quality time as a mother, but also a quality education. So that comes with experience. I think it comes with walking through it, learning how to help the older ones become a little bit more independent each year, but also allowing the younger ones to just be a part of it, chaos and all, because that's the, that's crazy chaotic part, but also beautiful part of homeschooling is that we can, we can do it together. Mm. And there are ways to just be together and the whether it's reading aloud or working on math, giving the little ones things to to work with and play with. And there was a time where I had to first thing after breakfast, I had to just get everybody outside. There was no morning time until afternoon <laughs> in our house because we just had to get them outside to let them run off energy. I had three old I had three boys and then two girls and being outside energized them whether they said they liked being out there or not, it always helped. There was really nothing that being outside couldn't help at the time. And it helped you too as well. And it helped me. Even if I just went out and sat out on the ground and played with acorns or whatever, eventually everybody would come and find something that they got excited about, whether it was climbing a tree or drawing with chalk or building a fort. So that was really helpful was just finding that there isn't one system that every family has to follow. If one family's doing morning time around the table so beautifully and you can't figure that out, you're not a failure, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just have to find what works for you in each season and embrace it and love it. So 
think those are probably two of the bigger challenges that we face, but trying to, you know, just having to walk through them and figure things out as you go. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's great that we have so many, um, so much choice and opportunities and materials and resources and things like that. But with the overwhelm sometimes, and even the comparison, right? When we try and Mm -hmm. take, we see what someone else is doing and try and do the exact same thing and then it's not working and then feeling frustrated or yeah, that you're a failure because, you know, it looks like it's working perfectly for them. You know, why can't I implement this and why is it ending in tears instead? That really, you know, we, it's finding our own groove in so many ways and, and finding what works for us. And that might look completely different from one family to another. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I, I, you know, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. And I know I had, you know, written that to you before as well Is how do you manage everything? Because, you know, (laughs) I, I look at it and it's like, do you have five kids homeschooling and now wild and free is growing exponentially as well. And I mean, that's also part of a business too, right. In that way and mm-hmm. family life, you know, wife and mom, you know, apart from a homeschooling mom, just a mom as well. Right. So right. You know, how do you juggle all of that? Is it a team that you also have that supports you or how do you do it? <laughs> It is definitely a team that makes the dream work um, in our house and in our community, all, the, all of it. Um, you know, homeschooling is still my number one priority. And at the end of the day, there's nothing I want to be more than a mother to my children. And if that is the only thing that I do in my life, then is to be um, as good of a wife as I can be to my husband and as good of a mom as I can be to my kids, then I am totally content. So wild and free has really been just kind of figuring out how to still keep that a priority. Um, and I think it just comes down to my heart and what I want. So bringing the team along a bunch of team members that help out with wild and free, and most of them are all homeschooling moms themselves. So wild and free will never become a corporation with a big corporate office where people are working full time all day to keep some engine running. It will always be as organic as we are. I want myself and I want everybody that's a part of it to still be able to just be a homeschooling mom. Mm. You know, when my husband and I have both always kind of been entrepreneurial from the time we got married um, 19 years ago. So we are kind of used to the lifestyle of working together and figuring it all out and some, you know, kind of making that work. So each, each year, each season is kind of brought on a new element there. So when I was writing my book, my husband was home with the kids and he did a little bit more with the homeschooling duties a couple of days a week. And now I'm back and we kind of just have some set times where I can get out and write, but it all works. And as my kids are getting older, they actually really enjoy being able to spend extra time with their dad. And so it's been great. But at the end of the day, I miss them when I'm not with them. So much like in the beginning, I didn't want to outsource that. I want to be there. And my goal is to do whatever I can to kind of be there full time. And even with, you know, part time away, it's kind of a family decision though, to do this, both the homeschooling and the business. So my husband's involved in running the business and does that so well and is really has the gifts to do that. So we have to kind of, we figure it out together and it's, it's a team, he and I as well. 
That's awesome. That's fantastic. I didn't know that your husband was involved with running the business as well. So, I mean, I look at that as too, that your kids, I mean, in so many ways, they are also involved. It really is a family effort. And that in itself is a learning process, being able to see you both in action, be part of that life as well with the two of you and seeing what's created because I always say that we're all students in this journey and we really come to realize it as homeschooling parents that we're just students along we're learners along with our kids so it's uh yeah Yeah. that's a pretty unique learning gift and opportunity that they have as well to share with you yeah it is it's fun I think that it they do enjoy learning I think that they are inspired to try things out themselves and start new businesses my husband always kids that you know if there's one thing my kids will know how to do at the end of the day it's Hopefully, how to run a business. And there's been there's been weeks where we're like, okay, everybody in here, even the two year old, we're going to pack up some magazines and send them out. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> so they know they know the names of people in the community. They're like, oh yeah, you know, they're very familiar, and that'll either they'll either grow up loving that, or <laughs> we'll have to talk about that someday. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was actually just writing a bit before we started here as well. And thinking about so many schools actually nowadays, and I, I get a chance to work with actually quite a few schools. And my other thing that I do, entrepreneurship is a huge right. thing that, you know, so many schools see as a value, their understanding that mm-hmm. they want the students to be involved in and to do. But for some reason, there seems to be a hard time for schools to implement that and allow, I guess, kids a space for the real application. And I guess so much of it is that they just can't, in a public school system, essentially, you can't really demonstrate entrepreneurship because there's not really any entrepreneurship. <laughs> but and that's so interesting. You know, yeah. yeah. The opposite is now they, you know, yeah, that would be, it's a huge skill that they're learning right now, your, your kids. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, it really is something that kids, I think, need to see in action yeah. to really understand what it takes in all of those things. So that's interesting and great that the schools are trying to do that. But the challenge is obviously real yeah. in that one aspect. Yeah, the challenge is real, for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and how old are your kids from oldest to youngest? Your oldest would be about 15 now. Is that right? Or Yes, he is. He's 15. And my second is going to be 13 tomorrow. My third son is 10. And then I have two girls, um, six and four. And for them, how are they enjoying your younger ones? They've only known homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your son Mm -hmm. remembers school as much. How are they enjoying the choice, the lifestyle of home education and wild and free? Yeah. It's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day and how they really don't know anything different, like you said, but there's not really a starting and ending point for them. You know, when I brought Wyatt home, it was something that I formally started on a certain day. And for the next couple of years, we had a woohoo first day of school. And, you know, we tried to make it because he was familiar with something that was more defined. And it's become such a part of our lifestyle that I don't know that our girls even really think about it. They just are always learning in some way, whether it's, you know, my six-year-old, even a few years ago when she couldn't, didn't know any of her letters and she would just write things down, but she'd scrawl it out. Like she was writing in cursive or something, but it wasn't any, it wasn't any real words, but she just presented it to me as a gift, you know, that she really thought that she had created something, but it started with her just creating something on her own that she thought was words. And now she can try to 
put letters together with blocks or different manipulatives. It's all self-driven at this point. And I've just sort of waited for her to want to do it, whether it's counting, you know, the first time she counted to 10, it was, oh, Annie knows how to count to 10. It's just been a natural progression in learning that. Let's just see, oh, can we go further? 11, 12, you know, it wasn't something that we had to drill her with flashcards or sit her down for a formal time of learning. It was just a part of living life together, of helping me in the kitchen, of overhearing things with the kids or wanting to figure it out. Like, I want to know how many peg people do I have here? She would figure it out in her mind. And, and so it's encouraging those things. It's um, seizing the moments with them when I see them active, but not necessarily making everything a learning opportunity, just letting them play with it and get lost in imagination. So much of that has just happened organically and coming upon them when they're lost in their imaginary play. And they, it almost feels like, you know, they're so deep in it they're suddenly shocked by seeing somebody else there. And I want to just kind of slink out and pretend like I had never disrupted it because it's so beautiful to see them just naturally at play. But they listen to the stories that we read out loud and they model in clay or whatever it is. They're just always playing out with stories we've been reading. So it's really been a natural process for them. And I've wondered for me, it feels formal, but for her, it doesn't. You know, when I seize those opportunities and I come around and I say, oh, let's work with this or try to, you know, learn a little song here about numbers or whatever it is, it doesn't feel like chore to her. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's an outgrowth of what she's interested in. And I'm trying not to disrupt that right now with them <laughs> in any way and just let it keep unfolding. So it is interesting because my four year old said to me recently, well, one day when I go to school, <laughs> and I'm sure it's, I mean, you can't avoid the idea that the rest of the world does this, that there are school buses, and when am I going to get on the school bus? Right. And so it's, it is funny to, to have those conversations. My six-year-old has even said that before. Well, one day when I go to school, <laughs> and I just smile because I think what it, she doesn't realize that this is what she's doing right now. She's actually learning and wonderful to see it happen organically. Yeah, it is. Well, so can I ask you a question? Would you be, Mm. if your kids did come to you and say, you know what, I I think I want to go to school this year. How would you feel about it? Would you be okay with it? Or I know right now that's, you you can't always judge your reaction for that moment, but. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we just actually went through this with my oldest son, Wyatt, because he's 15 and he has a really great friend who has decided to go to school. He's been homeschooled his whole life and he decided to try school out this year and their family took a big move out of state and their parents are super intentional and they let their kids make this decision. So I talked to Wyatt about it and said, just to hear, you know, how do you feel about him going off to school? And, and so he got to share some of his views about why some of the reasons maybe why he would want to try going to high school again. And, and so I asked him, is that something that you're you would want to do? Would you want to try that for a year? And he came to the conclusion that no, it's not. He did think about it. He said, you know, I thought about it, but he loves writing. He's written three novels that he will not share publicly, but (laughs) he's written three novels. And he said, you know, I just, I don't like part of me wants to go just for the experience, but I wouldn't have time to like pour into my writing and to really learn 
the things that he's interested about and things like that. So we've never, we've kind of always talked openly with our kids, never wanted them to feel like we were holding them back from something. So even though I can see all the benefits for why homeschooling through high school would be a positive thing for all of my kids, I definitely want them to feel like they have a choice as they get older and they're starting to think about that with what they want. I did talk about it with my six-year-old once when she made it. I think she was five when she said, one day I'm going to go to school. And I kind of had to tell her what we were doing. It was like, maybe she didn't know that we were homeschooling. (laughs) So I said, well, you know, Annie, (laughs) we actually are um, doing something at home (laughs) that's in place of that. Um, And so I said, would you like to learn from mommy or would you like to go? Would you, are you saying you'd like to go to school and try? And she said, Oh, I'll learn from you, mommy. (laughs) And so it was very natural for her to say that, but she really didn't know anything that was different, you know? Um, So it was something that I kind of had to explain. I mean, I was secretly with my six-year-old, I was secretly like, you know, I was like panicking inside. Please don't say you want to go to school now (laughs) because I don't know if I'm going to let you go. But with my 15 year old, I definitely wanted to be open to that and to see like whatever, you know, if he feels like he needs to spread his wings now and try it or what. So um, we always say that we want them to to have a choice in that. Obviously, we also want them to know the reasons why we're doing it. And so far, they feel like they're on the same page. You know, we want that, too. Right. Which is important that spreads to your family values and beliefs that you all share. And Mm -hmm. like you said, homeschooling is not an educational choice to school at home. It's a lifestyle choice. And it offers so many opportunities and all encompassing for so many things. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because like I have my, I have two kids and at one time, my older son, he's 13, he was turning 13 in a couple of days this September. And he um, had brought up that he possibly might want to go to school the following year. And, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah, you know, that's fine. His grandmother happened to be a teacher at that time and he would have been going close probably to when he could have, you know, gone in her class. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. understandable for sure. That's you know? yeah. Um, but then, and so we talked about it, but then as time went on and I asked him, you know, it was kind of like he decided, because we also live out in the country, so it's a long bus ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, he just kind of decided, well, I don't think I want to get up <laughs> so early in the morning and be mm-hmm. gone for so long mm-hmm. and not have a day, you know, kind of that freedom as well, right? Mm-hmm. Home late and, yes. you know, he just decided that, you know, at the time it wasn't for him. My younger daughter, though, did bring it up last year that she said, you know, I think I'd like to try going to school. And it was the same. My first reaction was, oh, no, you know, in my head, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I was like, oh, no, no. But then I remembered, okay, wait a minute. This is not about me. It's about her. And she and Mm -hmm. she's very like logical. She came with all of the reasons why she thought she would like to try Mm -hmm. school. And I was like, okay, this is what for our values is we want our kids to understand that they, you know, they have a voice, that they direct their education and learning. And this is part of that. So I had, you know, my husband and I talked about it and he was like, you got to realize that, you know, it's, you know, what we want is that's working. Like she's thought about it and the reasons and, you know, she feels that maybe this is something that will support her at the time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, I went through all the emotions. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Did she choose school? She hasn't. She said, actually, like she would be, you know, she's 10. So she said she'd like to try in grade seven when she's 12. She didn't want to try it right away, which is interesting. And Mm -hmm. then 
what part of the reasons is because she wants to play school sports and um I, and I, mm. I get that for sure you know we live in a very small community so there's not a lot of other sports like she does some, but um, I think the team aspect, but then she also says, you know, it's not for sure. I, I, when I, I also want to try it. I'm not, you know, she keeps telling us, you know, it's not absolutely for sure, but I do want to have that option essentially. So right. like, yeah, yeah, we'll support yeah. you and, you know, absolutely. So that's still two years mm-hmm. away, but yeah. So you have two years, you have two years. <laughs> and you know, things change or they just really affirm what they want, yeah. you know, time can solidify those beliefs, but I think just having our kids a part of that discussion and not feeling like it's a closed subject is so important for them to feel like they have a voice in what we're doing. Because when they're young, we really do get to decide, don't we? We get Mm -hmm. to say, these are our family values. So we're going to do this with our children, but it's a big part of their lives. And so as they get older, bringing them into that vision and those decisions and giving them a chance to have a voice and say in it too is so important, I think. And I think it's what sets apart a homeschooler, some homeschooling families from maybe the image that a lot of people have about homeschoolers in that we're doing it for some sort of protective reasons or to kind of cloister them away rather than, yes, to shelter them rather than to give them freedom. So I think it's really important for us to embrace the reason, you know, the the value that we're not doing this to shelter our kids, but really to give them more freedom, more opportunities and time to figure that out. An unconventional education can look different for every family. And sometimes it looks like going to school. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I think no matter what, the communication is absolutely still paramount, no matter where they're learning or what they're doing. I, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a huge aspect. Yes. So I, I would, uh, do you have advice? I mean, you've already offered so much advice for parents that are considering homeschooling and maybe they're, you know, in, in a similar situation to what you were in the beginning where, you know, they've enjoyed mm-hmm being with their kids, you know, now school right now, I mean, this is the beginning of September here and, you know, kids here in Canada anyways have just started school this week and some maybe are thinking about things, thinking twice. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice would you offer to parents on this part, on this path? I think if you're currently homeschooling, I think that my main piece of advice would really just to, to keep being brave with your beliefs and with your decisions, whatever those are, you know, we talked about sometimes making hard decisions that wouldn't be what we thought we would make, but it's not comparing yourself to others, but about doing what's right for your family and especially your children. It's trusting your instincts as a mother, because there is something about this idea of reclaiming childhood where I really feel so passionate about helping mothers also see that there's an aspect there of reclaiming motherhood Mm. in that ever since our children are born, we're sort of told how to raise them, whether it's from the pediatrician or, you know, when you get your kid into preschool and there's waiting lists for preschools and it's preparing them for kindergarten when kindergarten used to be the time where they could just play and be kids. And, and now, you know, there, I think I read that 70% 70% of kids don't pass kindergarten. 70% don't or, pass kindergarten. Yeah. How do you, what's passing for kindergarten? <laughs> and it, it really, I remember when Wyatt was in kindergarten and there was a student in the class that couldn't quite get the grasp of reading. And she said that she was going to have to hold her back and it broke her heart because she didn't feel like any child should be held back from kindergarten, but that she knew this girl would just not make it. 
in first, you know, like she had to hold her back for her own good, you know, because nobody else was really, you can't fit in the system if you don't hit certain markers at a certain time. And so I think it's reclaiming motherhood in that idea is really trusting your instincts again, you know, being able to tap into that natural born ability to know your child, like you can get to know your child, just like you did when you brought them home from the hospital and nobody told you how to help it to stop crying. You had to figure out, are they hungry? Are they wet? Do they need um, sleep? Do they need food? You know, what do I have to do to help this child? It's experience that really gives you that confidence. And I think the same is with this journey is you have to just tap into those instincts and realize, you know, I can do this. (laughs) You know, I was given, I was born to be this person's mother and I can find a way that works for my child. And even if homeschooling isn't your first choice, your last choice, you can create, you can find a vision, you can find your why of why you're doing that. And that can give you so much confidence and joy for the journey, even if it wasn't what you were intending. So, um, and I guess lastly, it's to find your tribe, you know, just to find your tribe, whether it's local or if you don't have that yet, global, but people that you, that share similar values that you can feel encouraged by Mm. and to spur you on. Yeah, that absolutely helps with our confidence, joy, and trust. I I always agree. Trust is a huge thing because Mm -hmm. we start to lose our trust in ourselves and even just in children in general very, very early on. I think we're kind of trained to not trust, you know, not trust that children can make good decisions or not trust that we can Mm -hmm. make a decision. The experts are telling us differently kind of things. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, having that uh, yeah. that tribe helps to hear, like you said, hear you know others in the trenches, hear their stories and joys yeah. and wins and frustrations and and all of that as well. To encourages us to keep going on. It really does, yeah. So you know, really, I think I was going to ask you as well. What would you like people to take away from the wild and free journey? I think a lot of that is all encompassing as well as to what you just said. You know, reclaiming childhood, but also reclaiming motherhood. Yeah, is absolutely, in some ways, yeah, we've kind of lost that a little bit. And Mm -hmm. but they both are connected. Yes, I really think they are. Because for us to believe that children can, can learn on their, you know, that they have this natural inborn sense of wonder and curiosity that they learn how to crawl, they learn how to roll over, they learn how to walk without anybody teaching them, they learn how to start forming sounds, and we just help guide them along their journeys. It's really that, you know, we are their guides, we aren't the ones that have to instill them with wonder. We don't have to implant curiosity into them. We just have to guide them and allow um, and not do things that kind of strip those natural things away or suppress them. Because if we let them, they can, they can become the things that guide their education and we can kind of just fill in the blanks as they go. There's several values of wild and free that I feel like really encompass so many of the methodologies and philosophies out there, it's nature, it's books and story, it's play and curiosity and wonder. And when I started homeschooling, I was working through curriculums and I was doing all of these exercises with my kids. And I just started to, when I wasn't doing those things, I could see these other forces at work. And I realized that if I could just step back a little bit and just let them do their job, then the other things would just be Got, they would just be helps to that. So I would say that the, um, you know, 
the thing to take away from wild and free journey is really that you aren't bound to a particular prescription or methodology or formula. The beauty of homeschooling is that we get to observe our children. We get to figure out what makes them tick, how they learn, and we get to create a beautiful lifestyle and learning um, way with them. We get to learn alongside them and we get to learn um, how to tap into our own motherly instincts as well along the way. Yeah, I think that is, yeah, that's beautiful. That's perfect. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> and it's a joy and beauty of it, right? It's uh, not a, a hard drudgery of a process. It's finding the joy and beauty in that process and all of that nature, books and story, play, curiosity and wonder and stepping back and watching all of that joy and wonderment is, you know, it, it's not something that um, brings dissatisfaction. <laughs> you know, it, it gives a lot of joy in, in life. So yeah, I think that's wonderful. Yes. And they can guide any methodology out there. So you don't have to choose right. one. They can guide whatever interests you. And that is key to remember. That's right. You don't have, you're not bound to one particular way. You take what works mm -hmm. for you, your family and yourself and your children. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can we connect to you? If I'm a, a listener who is not familiar yet with Wild and Free or with you, where can we find the book first? Because the book's now out and my copy is not yet here, but uh, it should be here anytime this week. And I'm really excited to dive into it. Yeah. Where can we find you? How can we connect with you and with the Wild and Free community? Okay. Yes. So the book is out and you can buy it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. You can find out more on our website about the book as well, thewildandfree.org slash book. You can click on different booksellers that sell it as well as read a sample chapter from the book if you wanted to find out more before purchasing it. So you can find that out on our website, thewildandfree.org, or just head over to your favorite bookseller. And the Wild and Free Instagram account is wildandfree.co. And that is where we share photos of mamas in the community. We share inspirational quotes from our bundles and from the book and just try to encourage moms throughout the week, just in a quick little blurb on their phone. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And also the website, you can find the monthly bundles and more information about the Farm Village there as well and any conferences that would be coming up. Absolutely. You can find out all of that on the website and you can sign up for updates. We maybe send out an email every week or two. We don't do a ton, but it's always packed with like what's coming up, conferences. We have the Farm Village now, so we're hoping to host a few smaller retreats there this fall. Our monthly bundles, you can get a sample bundle. Um, you can subscribe to the bundles. You can find out more. We have a shop there as well with a la carte products. And we just launched a nature journal course mm. for the fall. And we're about to release another course as well. Nice. So a bunch of exciting things happening this fall with Wild yeah. and Free. And so you can find all of that at bewildandfree.org. Okay. And I'll, I will include all of that in the show notes as well. So anyone can click on those links for just easier access to the community as well. Ainsley, thank you so much for joining me. I, I love this time and I really appreciate um, connecting with you. Thank you, Robin. It was a joy to talk with you. We will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com or email me directly. Robin at I'm homeschooling.com.